Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, one of the hosts for the longest-running Dynasty-focused podcast on the planet, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you an episode packed with relevant and actionable Dynasty information that you can use to help win your league. When I'm in the host chair, we might even play a game or two. We are always open to topic suggestions, so if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Thanks for listening. Super Flexers, welcome in to a very special episode of the Super Flex Super Show. I am James Katulis, aka James the Brain. You can find me on Twitter at underscore James the Brain, and I am here with two of my my very favorite people to discuss fantasy football with. First off, I want to introduce one of my esteemed co-hosts, Sam Stompy Lane. Stompy man, how you been? It's been a while. Yeah. It's it's been a rough three four weeks. I haven't been on here in that long, have I? Good lord! Yeah, it's been a rough three four weeks. Depression's a bitch. It's it's been man. Twenty twenty has just been has just been brutal. So we'll just chalk it all up to that. But we also have a a very special guest that uh, that I know you, Stompy, and I uh, both really enjoy talking fantasy football with. He's one of my favorites, killing it over um, at the TDDR, and that is Matt Hicks. You can find him at the FF underscore educator on Twitter. Matt, welcome in, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Gentlemen, it is a pleasure, as always, to chat with you guys. I'm excited for it. I'm ready to go. I think the last time that... It was just James and I was with you, I think. Is it that long ago? Uh, yeah, I think so. Could be. Yeah, it could be. I consider it a great. I think it was early. I think it was earlier this offseason. It's fantastic. Because yeah. I, I just I looked at the Twitter discussion that we had started, and I believe the last message. Wow, the last message I've had with you guys was exactly. It was March twelfth, twenty twenty, because you were um, you were promoting the draft, uh, the rookie guide. Yeah, yeah you're right. Guide. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that that is awesome that you're still willing to come on the the show and uh, and do this episode with us, Matt. Even though it's just myself, Mo- most people would say, "Man, James is going to be one of the two co-hosts." Like, I think <laughs> I'm out. But but you you came back for seconds. So I didn't I didn't want to say it, but I'm I'm here for Stompy. It, it's good to talk <laughs> yeah. to you too, James. But I mean, I got to be honest. I think yeah. I, I'm going to try and make it so like one of the bucket list items uh, for fantasy football analysts is for me to yell at them. <laughs> I'm going to try it. I'm going to try and do that and become like the l- 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 part of the lore of fantasy football. Nice. You're going to, you're going to get the big names that want you to yell at them like Sigmund Bloom. And, and Oh, I I've stuff. definitely given my, <laughs> my fair share of at the very least looks um, like it, you can't see us right now as we're recording this, but I'll, I'll uh, I think it was, Mike Tagliere was I, I was talking to, and I he was gonna he started saying something about Drew Locke, and I was like, Michael, look at my eyes, <laughs> look at my eyes. You, so I I'm not afraid to to uh, punch a little bit 
uh, punch above my weight a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Tags did uh, poo-poo all over the guys that you are high on on mm-hmm. that, uh, that episode of FF Merc. So, um, yeah, if you haven't listened, go check that out, listeners. But today we got a special show, a special episode. I'm really looking forward to this. We're going to reach around. We're going to do a reach <laughs> around, guys. We are going to go into... Uh, we're going to use DLF ADP, Superflex ADP, and we are going to decide what player we would be willing to reach a full round to grab and why. So I, I'm looking forward to this. I get to kind of sit back and take your takes in and uh, and and take notes because I, uh, I, I enjoy both of your takes more times than not. So uh, I'm, I'm ready to start this, guys. What do you but, think? By the way, why are who made up all of these these games? Because they're all sexual and. I don't know why we have all these sexual games on here, James. Well, the the reach around is actually we're paying homage to Paul Charchian. Um, he, uh, is, he has he yeah, has kind of kind of yeah coined that uh, this game and this phrase, and we're we're uh, we're just borrowing it. Yeah, I mean we have Tinder Flex too. though, which the innuendo is uh, <laughs> t- Tinder Flex and chill or whatever. Um, and show, me show, show me your nuts. Yeah, that's that one. That one <laughs> uh, involved John Hogue. So you, you'd have to ask him when he's on because we're, that, a, uh, that's we're a highly crazy. sexualized show. We just don't shy away from it. Man, that's all. I get it, that's man. All. We're, we're, you're you're all adults. It's fine. Exactly. We have we have sex sometimes. It's 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 okay. It's okay. We can accept these things. But guys, I I want to I want to get this thing started. Okay, so let's let's start. We're gonna start right away. We're gonna start in round two. Tell me a guy who's ADP right now on DLF in DLF Superflex, a guy who is going in the second round that you say, you know what? I would pay a first round price for him. I would grab him a full round before he is going in the second round. Matt, I'm going to put you on the spot, man. I'm starting with you. Who is that guy for you? All right. So I just want to clarify the rules. It's is, is it like a full 12 spots? Or That's just what I like, was going to ask. Yeah. Okay. It is not. It, it doesn't have to be a full 12 spots. I think once we get into the later rounds, you could probably make, make it, uh, you know, uh, a little bit more of a, uh, uh, you can make a little bit more of a case for it being 12 spots. However, uh, you know, early on just around. So, so if you, you know, if you want to take the, uh, the lame approach, you could take the guy who's going 13th and say, Hey, yeah, he's just outside the top 12, but I expect more of both of you. I think both of you are going to come with some fire takes. So Matt, turn it over to you. What are you going to do? Well, I'm taking the guy who's coming in at 13, but it's, I asked the question for a specific reason because it, it really is shocking to me that in super flex leagues, that Dak Prescott is not a first-round draft pick. Yeah. He's my QB3 right now in Superflex yeah. Dynasty. And I think he is the perfect combination of ceiling and floor. I mean, the only like the only thing I can get for you fading Dak is if you honestly believe he's moving on from Dallas after this year. But I don't really believe that. He's been a, a top-six quarterback the last three seasons – and look at this freaking offense now, guys. It's only gotten better. I've I've taken Dak in multiple first rounds, pick five, pick six. So I know he's technically only one spot of ADP outside of, of the first round. But for me, I if I'm picking at six or seven, he's not getting past me right now in a super flex startup. I, uh, I think I'm on board with that. Uh, Kyler Murray is going as the QB3 right now, which I guess I understand. I'm just... I'm not, 
I've been a, a pretty big detractor of that move in terms of dynasty rankings because, I mean, we've seen it time and time again where you see sophomore slumps. Um, and, and I always Baker refer – I always Yeah, I always refer to Baker. Um, and they're not the same type of player. I get that because – Kyler Murray is obviously very uh, is safer because of the rushing floor. I mean, I don't think he has like a ceiling like um, Lamar, obviously. Um, so, I, I mean, basically what it comes down to is this for me. You have Dak, who was the QB three or four last year. Um, yeah, I think he was QB three. Uh, I think so. Too. But he's he's been top – he's been a QB one or I believe top ten in every season of his career. Mm-hmm. Like, like you said, Matt. I mean, this offense got better by adding CD Lamb. They get, they have two fantastic running backs. That offensive line is about as good as it gets in the NFL if they're all healthy. And and you get Mike McCarthy. Um, and Dak just threw 596 times last year. And you know the yeah. biggest thing for me with Dak too that just gets totally left behind. You don't have to be Kyler Murray to get rushing yards in fantasy football, and, and especially the touchdown. So in, in his four years, Dak has six touchdowns, six touchdowns, six touchdowns, three touchdowns on the ground, at least 250 rushing yards each of those seasons. You know, just those three to six touchdowns a year makes a huge difference in fantasy football. Like those it rushing really, touchdowns. really does. Uh, not to mention Dak, you know, over 4,900 passing yards and 30 touchdowns last season. These are th- Those are numbers that, you know, Kyler Murray hasn't put up yet. So we're buying Kyler Murray at his ceiling as well, yeah. at quarterback three. Not to, I think Dak, um, you know, we've already seen him do that. We've seen him be a top five quarterback. Well, and it's been – it wasn't just last year either. I mean, when he got Amari Cooper, he was top five the second mm-hmm. half of 2019 as well – or 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think when we look at Dak and, and we look at the improvements that offense has made, uh, I'm with you, Matt. He's my QB3 in my rankings, and in Superflex, that means – you're getting them in the first round rather than the second. I'm also surprised Deshaun Watson is the fourth quarterback. And I thought that we were going to see him fall a little bit more with the departure of DeAndre Hopkins. We haven't seen that. I know that Deshaun Watson has a little bit more consistency than a guy like Kyler Murray. However, we we, we haven't seen him put up elite numbers without DeAndre Hopkins. There's some question marks there with that system, with the Houston offense. Uh, I like Deshaun Watson. I like Dak more. So I, I'm I'm a little shocked that both those guys are going in, in front. Well, of and yeah, I would. I mean, for, first and foremost, with Deshaun Watson, um, I mean, I think yes, you lose one of the top wide receivers in the game, but you also gained more speed on the outside. This is going to be a very vertical offense, <laughs> like very vertical, because you have Fuller for the four to eight games that he will be there cooks for the whole season, but he may have like several games of decoy, but you have, and Randall Cobb too. You have Randall Cobb. So there's a ton of speed there. Um, David Johnson has proven to be a, one of the best route running and pass catching running backs in the league. And if he is healthy with Duke, I mean, there's options all over the place. So I, I get why people would be down on Watson, why you would be down on Watson. I I think that he will surprise a bit. He might even have his best year just because of that 
vertical passing game because we've i mean we saw what he was with fuller we've seen what he is with fuller but now you have like two of them on the outside um so that's going to be interesting to watch and then in terms of dak um i i mean there's there's a lot of things to like a, him above kyler murray i mean we know kyler murray's a a accurate passer but i mean dak hasn't dropped below 63 percent or I, I it's 62.9 sorry i'm rounding but 63 percent completion percentage in his career um and he's a lot bigger than kyler murray so he can actually will get rushing touchdowns will be used in the red zone kyler murray because he's so small they're absolutely not gonna run him in the side the five or the ten so I mean, Dak, Dak has kind of that touchdown floor in the red zone that makes up for what Kyler has in yards. And, and Dak will probably have a more high-powered offense. I know a lot of people are still thinking that Arizona is this high-powered offense, but they, I believe, finished fourth in seconds per play. And I think they finished last in points per play last year. I mean, I, I'm sure there will be regression, but I just don't know how much. And, and, and with with DeAndre Hopkins there, it's it's going to be a better passing game. But Dak is more consistent. Dak is still a good passer. Dak can run, and he will run for touchdowns. So I think he's the safer option, and I, I would say that probably his ceiling, ceiling equals Kyler Murray's at this point. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with everything you just said there, Stompy. So let's get to your pick here, Stompy. We have – who are you taking in the second round? I mean, so the there's a lot. I mean, Dak Prescott, Prescott was the the obvious one to me. I would I would take him at I at probably seven over Michael Th- Thomas. Um, and maybe I, – I would take Alvin Kamara, over, Alvin Kamara over Zeke right now, and I might take – Dak over Zeke at this point. So I definitely agree with Matt on that six, seven um, area to take Dak. Um, but I mean, there's some very obvious ones in here. Uh, the two I'm trying to decide between are Devonta Adams and Nick Chubb. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. kind of funny that Adams was considered the wide receiver one last year, and now he's just dropped into the second round. Like what, I mean, what happened? He's still like a super target hog and he was still productive last year. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that's about, but I'm going to go with Nick Chubb because I'm going to continue to fight this fight forever and ever until Nick Chubb retires. And that's because Nick Chubb and I, people come at me, please is the best rushing running back in the NFL. He is very intelligent. Um, he hits his holes. He is hard to take down and he's like just below Saquon Barkley in terms of athleticism. And the only reason that is, is because of his ACL. Uh, I, I would not be, have been surprised if Nick Chubb didn't have his ACL, which I think he ran for 200 yards against North Carolina in his first game back from that ACL injury. Um, but if he didn't have that, I would not have been surprised to see Nick Chubb as the RB1 in that 2017 class. Um, But I mean, he's just so smart and he's so good and he's so efficient and he can catch passes, but I know Kareem hunts there. So I don't know how much I, I I would probably expect 30 ish targets for Chubb, which isn't terrible, but it's not near the 50 that he got last year. But with Stefanski there, I think they're going to run a little bit more. um, And I think the offense will be a lot more efficient with Stefanski 
and and another year with uh, OBJ and Baker. Hopefully that offensive line is better. Um, but I, I still think Chubb gets near 300 carries again and near 1,500 yards. I just – they're going to run the ball. It's Stefanski. They're going to run the ball. Of course, we haven't seen him under or by himself, but I still think they're going to run the ball. And he, I, I believe he – in terms of touches, he he was expected to get like 12.5 touchdowns per touch. Or, or total in terms of his touches, but he only got eight. So I think there's a touchdown regression there. And if they're better on the offensive side of the ball, they will score more. So really, I mean, 1,500 yards and double-digit touchdowns, very much in the realm of possibility for Nick Chubb this season. I'm glad you picked Chubb, man, because he was almost my choice. When you're talking about him as a prospect, guys, I mean – I've seen the two sides of Nick Chubb. So I was actually at the game uh, in Neyland Stadium when he tore his ACL. It was like one of the most. It was brutal. It was, yeah, it was gut-wrenching to see the reaction from the crowd. Um, it, it was wild. And then I I had the ability to watch him live last year in Baltimore when he absolutely shredded one of the best run defenses in the NFL. And I mean – shredded like it was one of the worst games the Ravens it was the worst game the Ravens played last year other than the playoff game and Nick Chubb I think he put up 200 plus that game I have Chubb like you said Stompy I, in my projections I'm at 289 touches 1475 yards 11 touchdowns like I don't think he's going anywhere guys he's uh I, I understand the appeal and wanting Kareem Hunt to be a thing but when you're thinking about the offense this year, you can't use just the games that Kareem Hunt was there to project his role this season because he was used more because Nick Chubb at that point already had a ton of volume on his body. So Hunt was helping stretch out the season a little bit for him. Nick Chubb, I agree with you, Snoppy. I'm so glad you said he's he, – because if he's not the best – pure runner in the NFL. He's top three. Like this guy is, is super impressive of a runner. And I, I, for whatever reason, I feel like he just doesn't get the love. You can make a, an argument for Derrick Henry, but I don't think he is as good in the lateral game or especially in the lateral movement. He's not as good. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously impossible to take down open field, but Nick Chubb is right there, but he's better laterally. The vision. And he's got yeah. better. I mean, he's he's probably got the top end vision too, top end RB vision too, which yeah. makes him one of the best runners. So it it's just I, I don't the entire package as a running back. I'm talking as a running back, not just the 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 total of what they are. I mean, because you can't. It's hard to make an argument against Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley right now in terms of total package. But as a running running back, Nick Chubb is the best. Yeah, I know that we discussed Nick Chubb on the TDDR po uh, podcast, Matt, when we were previewing the Cleveland Browns just last week. So I know that we are all pretty much on the same page when it comes to Nick Chubb this year. The Analytics of Dynasty 2020 edition is an in-depth and unique look at Dynasty fantasy football strategy. The book contains a unique Dynasty strategy that's backed by data and will give you a process to make better decisions in startup drafts, rookie drafts, and dynasty trades. 
with an in-depth focus on player value and player analysis, the Analytics of Dynasty 2020 edition will give you critical and contrarian strategies on quarterback value in Superflex leagues, valuing rookie picks, trading of future picks in startup drafts, how to avoid costly one-hit wonders, easy narratives to exploit, and so much more. If you use the code FLEX in your purchase of the Analytics of Dynasty 2020 edition, you'll be entered into a drawing to receive one of two great prizes from the Super Flex Super Show. Number one, we'll bring you on to the show uh, for a round of Tinder Flex. And number two, our Stay Sexy and Super Flexy logoed t-shirt. The Analytics of Dynasty 2020 edition can be purchased at analyticsofdynasty.com shop for $30 with 20% of the proceeds being donated to the Alzheimer's Association, ALZ.org. So again, purchase the book, Analytics of Dynasty, the 2020 edition uh, with proceeds going to charity and your chance to enter to win one of are two great prizes from the Superflex Super Show. Uh, so, guys, what I'm going to do uh, to try to hit as many rounds as possible, um, we're, we're going to give you each a round. So, Matt, I'm going to ask you, who is currently going in the third round that you would take in the second? And this, this is an interesting question because there's several guys that stand out to me as possible options. So I'm definitely interested to hear who you in the third round would reach for uh, in the second round. There's two guys that I re- that I'm choosing between because both of them are kind of guys that I've been banging the table for. But I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go with Austin Eckler. Uh, his current ADP is 32, so that's back half of the third round. Austin Eckler, I think, clearly projects out to have a really dominant season. And I, I feel like folks are disparaging what he did last season. I mean, he was an RB1 last season. And my projections, guys, he's a he's a top six running back for me this season. I really think that he is going to be the lead guy. There's a couple things that suggest that. One, I mean, first, first and foremost, they paid the man. Right, they gave the man the bag. They gave him a four-year deal, and they were not willing to give Melvin Gordon the long-term contract. So clearly, they thought Austin Eckler was going to be the guy. He lit it up without Melvin Gordon last year. And here's the thing: in terms of PPR, hopefully everyone's playing in PPR leagues. He is a true dual-threat running back. And with Justin Herbert there, they're going to need a running back not only to set the tone on the ground, but also to be that checkdown type running back. And I do expect Justin Herbert to start the majority, if not all, of the games for the Chargers. So when it comes to Austin Eckler, Ivan projected out 63 receptions, 160 yards, or 160 attempts on the ground, and over 1,200 total yards in, in 13 total touchdowns. His ability as a pass catching running back is consistently underrated. They brought in Josh Kelly. That's fine. He's going to be good for NFL purposes, but he's not taking away the dynasty value for me. I don't love investing in running backs early in dynasty leagues, but Austin Eckler is a guy that I've invested in pretty consistently here in the third, fourth, even fifth rounds. I've gotten him this offseason. I think it's wild. I think I've reached for him in the second. I've actually done this, <laughs> especially in redraft. Um, in dynasty, it's a little tough because it's hard to take Eckler over. Um, the rookies, so uh, CEH and um, Jonathan Taylor. But I don't know if there's 
many whose value is in the third round. Like I'd have to look at uh, RB rankings where, where he's going, but uh, oh, he's going as the RB 13, but he's top five upside easy. He was the RB 10 last year when Melvin Gordon came back. He was the overall scoring, overall scoring number four player in the first four weeks without uh, Gordon. Now he was ultra efficient and you, you have to expect some of that efficiency to go down, but I think his carries go up and he could have a Kamara type season where he gets 180 to 200 carries, a hundred targets. Um, and I mean, that's top five, right? I, there was one player in the top five last year, or maybe even top 10 that had like less than 50 targets. And that was Derrick Henry, but now maybe Nick Chubb too, but point point still stands is you need to be a pass catcher. And a lot of people will go, well, but Tyrod Taylor doesn't dump down that much. Well, I mean, LaShawn McCoy uh, disagrees. Now, LaShawn McCoy didn't get 100 targets. They also didn't throw a lot. But I would say that Eckler is, and probably Keenan Allen, are the only two that you can really trust on that team to catch uh, balls there. I mean, I don't like. I don't know what to expect with Hunter Henry. I don't know what to expect with Mike Williams with either Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert. Um, and they're not going to pay the guy that much money to not use him, especially after he put up the numbers he did last year. Yeah, this is music to my ears in the Scott Fishbowl at the uh, 212-3-1 turn. Austin Eckler was one of my picks, so I, I am very happy to have him there. I'm also very high on Eckler. I think what we've seen him do with a limited amount of carries really projects well for him because those carries could go up. His touches could go up, and he wouldn't have to be as efficient to hit these numbers that we're projecting him at. So, yeah, top five, top six, top ten even running back should be going higher than what he is. So I, I really like this selection, Matt. Stompy, it's going to put the pressure on you now, man. you got to make a, a solid pick here. Who in the fourth round? Who has a fourth-round ADP in the current DLF Superflex ADP that you would say, you know what, I think I'd reach and I'd take him in the third round. I'd reach around on him. So first I had <laughs> – I was still on running backs, and I looked into the, like, 36 through 48, and I saw Philip Lindsay, and I was like, wait, what? And then, then I realized where I was. <laughs> <laughs> um. I mean, there's some good ones here, too. Uh, I would say Kenyon Drake just being a running back guy, but I'm going to go with Allen Robinson, I think. Um, he's going at pick 41. But Robinson has – I mean, A-Rob just came off of his second, the second best season of his career. The two best seasons of his career and – um, were with atrocious. I mean, he hasn't had a good quarterback in his career. Let's be realistic here. Uh, Nick Foles might be a slight upgrade over Mitchell Trubisky, but I'm not expecting him to be that good. I mean, he's a middling starting NFL quarterback at best, but we've already seen Allen Robinson be able to be able to make that work. And so, and the other aspect of this is that, I mean, he's only been healthy really um outside of no yeah i mean out 
he's only been healthy in three of the seasons that he's played. Um, in year one, he sat out six games. Year two is when his, his best season where we saw him break out. Year three, he had identical target numbers, but I believe Blake Bortles took a monster step back that year as a quarterback. So it's it's hard to <laughs> trust that any there was anything Allen Robinson could have done. Uh, year four, he tore his ACL. Year five, he changed. Not, not only did he change team, or not only did he have to deal with coming back from the ACL tear, he had to deal with changing teams to Mitchell Trubisky, which, I mean, nobody's excited about him as a quarterback. He still put up decent numbers. And then last year, he became that elite volume guy again, 154 targets, I mean, terrible, terrible efficiency in uh, yards per reception, but that's fine as long as he's getting that target share. And he had seven touchdowns. And I think he has to be a top – he's still got to be considered a top 10 wide receiver. And to me, when you're top 10, you shouldn't be going in the fourth round. Um, and as I'm looking at uh, some of these guys going ahead of him, I, I might be – I'm probably taking Allen Robinson over Amari Cooper. I'm probably taking Allen Robinson over Mike Evans right now um over julio jones i I don't know why julio jones is going that early especially in dynasty because that dude is like just like walking along the edge of a cliff at this point um so i just i i think eckler is in for i mean he got the volume he needed i'm sure you'll get the volume again this year uh so i think alan robinson's being disrespected a lot and i would be taking him there and I would, I would take him in the third. Nice. Matt, what are your thoughts on Allen Robinson? I, I, I think Stompy put it well, man. I mean, he is just somebody who – it's just like he, he can – it doesn't matter what he does. He just – he's not this, like, sexy enough player where people get excited about him. Um, looking here, I have him 56 in my dynasty ranking, so I guess I'm lower on him too compared to ADP, which is 41. So I actually, I don't know what's the opposite of a reach around. Maybe we don't want to get into that, but I guess I have the opposite of a reach around on Allen Robinson. Well, so I, I'll ask this though, because I mean, Allen Robinson's going behind AJ Brown. Um, I'd, I'd rather have AJ Brown. And and I, I get that, I guess, but here's the thing. Allen Robinson has two elite seasons already. Mm-hmm. He's had three seasons of over 150 targets. Um. I, I mean, A.J. Brown's efficiency was, like, through the roof last year. Like, right. I mean, he's, like, exhibit A of a negative regression candidate. So that's my issue with A.J. Brown is I feel like if there's a disappointment this season, which I feel like there's a high chance there will be, then you can buy A.J. Brown later for cheaper. I think what it comes down to – if I'm looking at those two players and, and where you're drafting them, I think it goes a little bit into your general draft strategy, right? Because what I'm looking to do, usually in a startup draft, my first two to three picks, especially my first two, but into that third round, I want to feel very comfortable with those picks. Those are safe mm-hmm. picks for me. And once we start getting into the fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds, I'm looking to hit. And okay. I feel like A.J. Brown is a guy I'm hitting on. And he's got a higher ceiling. Where Allen Robinson, I think you know what you're going to get from him, and it's good, right? I think you're going to get that fourth-round return from him pretty consistently. 
But I don't think, at least not in the situation that he's currently saddled with in Chicago, I'm not sure we're ever going to see, you know, Allen Robinson return more than what we expect. Like, I don't think he's ever going to return that second or first round startup pick value. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I get it. I I would say, well, I would say that the three healthy seasons that he's gotten 150 targets makes him – safe but you're right i mean the floor because of the his quarterback situation is not great i guess i'm more looking at okay i understand hitting on like aj brown um but i just i i I have this strong suspicion that you can sell you can get him for cheaper and so it's one of those things where i'm like i'm hesitant to take AJ Brown in a startup right now, because I think his value is going to drop. I think Amari Cooper's value is going to drop too. I mean, it's already dropped pretty drastically, but I just, Amari Cooper could very easily not, it could very easily be the wide receiver three this year for Dallas. I don't think it's likely, but he very easily could because CD lamb is that type of player. Michael Gallup, for some reason, everybody's sleeping on Michael Gallup. Um, despite his breakout year last year and despite basically producing along the same lines as Amari Cooper. So I, I guess when I look at AJ Brown or Allen Robinson, I don't have that many questions. I have like the one question of what's his ceiling really with these bad quarterbacks, but with these other guys, I know like the floor is kind of a scary thing, especially when it comes to their draft value. Can I tell you my biggest takeaway from this conversation right now? It's that we would rather we liked Allen Robinson more with Blake Bortles, so we would rather have Blake Bortles, which is then no, I'm here crazy. for it. I love, <laughs> I am, I am here to pump Blake Bortles, even though think, it is well I think Bobby, I think Bobby, it, it, not even, not even here recording, probably is somebody said Blake Bortles. What? Who's talking about Blake? <laughs> yeah, Bobby Koch's ears just perked up. That's for sure. Somebody I said Blake. It. That's the Blake signal. <laughs> With Allen Robinson, too, the one thing we do have to keep in mind, it is a contract year for him. So he may not be saddled with these bad quarterbacks for much longer. Oh, God, I hope If not. he decides, yeah, if he decides, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ball out this year and I'm going to look for a contract with a team that, um, I mean, it, it's pretty easy to find a team that has an upgraded quarterback, right? Uh, what, what if he lands in Miami with Tua? You know, I mean, he could easily wind up in a better situation. Now might be the time to grab Allen Robinson because his cost may yeah. go up. Yeah, that's uh, a great if point. He signs, if he signs somewhere uh, with a, a good quarterback in a good system. So Monkey Knife Fight is the fastest growing daily fantasy sports site on the planet. And MKF is giving you free money and free dynasty football content with your initial deposit. Are you ready to rumble? Open a new account with a minimum $10 deposit to MKF and you'll receive a free DynastyLeagueFootball.com annual premium membership. This offer is also good to extend your current DLF annual membership by one year. Monkey Knife Fight will also match your initial deposit amount, doubling your bankroll up to a maximum of $50. Featuring football, baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, esports, prop bets, and more, you'll find plenty of entertaining contest options, even in these uncertain times. Monkey Knife Fight provides DFS games with no salary caps, so if you correctly predict the outcome, you're guaranteed to win. 
And there are no sharks, no professionals to prevent you from claiming your prize. At MKF, you will not get algorithmed by the top 1% who dominate other fantasy sites. So check out the new and improved DFS and prop bet experience. Claim your deposit match and your free DynastyLeagueFootball.com premium membership all at MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Okay, so Matt, we're back to you, man. And uh, we're, we're up to... We're... We're up to, to now the names are starting to get interesting. We're up to the fifth round guys that you would take in the fourth round. There's still some names here, especially on the super flex side that are, that are very interesting, but I am going to leave it to you. Who is a guy that you would reach a round for uh, that's currently going with an ADP in the fifth round? Come on, James. Who am I going to pick? I think I know who you're going to pick. I think, well, I could be wrong, but I would guess it's a wide receiver. Am I right on that? It is the wide receiver mm-hmm. one in the 2020 rookie class. CD Lamb, baby. I don't I'll take him in the with fourth round. God damn. I mean, by the way, Calvin Ridley and Cortland Sutton are ahead of him. I love Cortland Sutton. God I damn. love Cortland Sutton. <laughs> and there's there's a little bit of bias behind this, but I'm telling you, I love CD Lamb. I love CD Lamb. A lot of folks faded him when they saw he landed in Dallas. I don't care that he's in Dallas. He is Dak Prescott. I mean, we're not going to pump Dak Prescott again. We spent 10 minutes talking up Dak Prescott. He's got a good quarterback throwing him the ball in a system that that is opening up for him. And here's the best part. All right, Lamb is probably going to play primarily in the slot right away, right? So he's going to be the big slot. Amari Cooper is going to draw the top coverage. Michael Gallup is a good wide receiver. You cannot ignore him. Just like Stompy was saying, you can't ignore Michael Gallup. C.D. Lamb is going to eat in terms of volume and not so not only does he have that PPR floor behind him what was CD Lamb best at in college it wasn't before the catch and he was damn good before the catch it was after the catch that man has the ability to snap off a play every time he touches the ball he's special there's a little bit of my like being a, a rookie guy and following him all along and and he was my wide receiver one last July before most folks were willing to get on that level. So it's a little bit of like my guy behind that, but I'm willing to take CD lamb in the fourth round. So, I, I mean, I did say that Amari Cooper very easily could be the wide receiver three on that team. And if Amari Cooper's drawing the CB one, the most of all three of them, the corner, the, the top cornerback of, of the defenses they face, you're going to have a lot, of open looks I'm guessing for either the guy over the top and, and Michael Gallup or CD lamb underneath or on those crossing routes. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I get it. I, I'm not, I've never been a rookie wide receiver guy. I never will be. I just don't want to take that risk year one. Um, I'm usually, I'm, I'm a guy that buys guys. Um, I, I buy Paris Campbell, Preston Williams, Deontay Johnson, Darius Slayton before their uh, ADP blew up here. Um, But I get it. I mean, when you get like, when you get these top one, two, three wide receivers in these, these classes that separate themselves and are like, okay, CeeDee Lamb is the number. I mean, it was him and Jerry Judy. And then there was a gigantic cliff. Um, And last year it was Nikhil Harry and, and, well, no, it was Nikhil Harry and Gigantic Cliff, uh, DJ Moore and Pretty Gigantic Cliff. So I, I get that. And and usually those guys that 
show promise in year one, those elite type players, the wide, the round one and round two wide receivers, if they show something towards the end of the season, a lot of guys aren't going to give up value um, or give up. Yeah. Give up value on those guys. It's the second rounders that you probably can, can get more value from. But um, so I, I disagree just because I don't like rookie wide receivers, but I completely understand why you would grab somebody like CeeDee Lamb that early. Yeah, the rookie wide receiver narrative is is a fair one. Absolutely. There's two guys, though, that I think their scheme is going to allow them to contribute quickly in year one. One is CeeDee Lamb for the reasons I outlined, and the other guy is Justin Jefferson uh, in Minnesota. And I wouldn't be surprised if Justin Jefferson is the highest scoring rookie wide receiver this year. But I think CeeDee Lamb is going to have every opportunity to do that as well. That's but true. you're you're absolutely right. Look at the data. Look at the the odds. It, it's not favoring the Terry McLaurins or the AJ Browns. Yeah. Those guys that did overcome those the, well, the odds. And I think and I think some of the guys that we've seen break out, especially of late in in year one, over the last two three seasons, are guys that have played in the slot. Cooper Cup. Calvin Ridley. Did DJ Moore play a lot of the slot in his first year? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. That's when they would have had Funches on the outside, right? It was that yes. far back? Yeah. yeah. So, but point still stands is that with the way that the slot receiver is being developed now from early 2000s to now, wide receivers have a legitimate shot, especially if they land in a good scheme. That's why I, I like, I think Jerry Judy is actually probably has a good chance to produce because he will play a, a significant amount in the slot as well. So those players, those wide rec- rookie wide receivers that you are looking to hit in year one are likely the guys that are going to be playing in the slot. So uh, Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, maybe Jalen Rager. I don't really know right now. But yeah, so I, I mean, I, I'm I'm all about slot receivers, slot rookie wide receivers. Sorry, James. We talked a lot. <laughs> no, that's 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 fine. That's what we're here for. But uh, but when you said Jalen Rager, Matt gave a, a a face, and I I won't have that. That won't stand here on the Superflex Super Show, Matt. So, but <laughs> but the, the one thing I love about your pick, Matt, with CD Lamb is, dude, that was your guy. You did the work. You identified the guy, and before anybody else, you were on that bandwagon. And now that it's time. And, and everybody else has embraced them. You're not backing off. You're going to take your guy that you have been sold on this whole time. That's That's been my kind of my, my Jonathan Taylor take as well. Uh, and, and again, you know, obviously being here in Wisconsin and being able to watch him uh, all the time kind of helped that. But uh, that, that something there, there's something about that being able to get your guy when you identified him and you're the you were the one who was uh you know driving that hype train with him uh don't give up now you know now's the time to reap uh you know to reap those benefits of everything that you've seen and uh and yeah trust yourself so i i, I love that that part of your narrative there with uh cd lamb Matt. it's fantasy football man we're here to have fun end of the day get your guys you know what i mean yeah yeah, there it is. That that's that's the key to take away. Get your guys, have fun, make sure that you're uh, you're cheering on guys that that you enjoy, that you like. So, uh, with that in mind, Stompy, we're moving to you, and we are moving to round six. A uh, guy that you would take in round five, and there are a, a few guys on this list that I don't think you like. Um, I don't think are your guys. Yeah. And there is one glaring guy that i think is i mean i don't do i really want to go yes i do it's drew lock at 70 yeah get out of here um i was like do i really want to go on another diatribe about yes i do 
Um, all right, so he's going 70 off the board. Drew Brees is ahead of him. That's bullshit. Sorry. Uh, Kirk Cousins is ahead of him. That's bullshit. Uh, Sam Donald's ahead of him. That's bullshit. Jared Goss ahead of him. I think that's pretty bullshit, too. Aaron um, Rodgers is, too. Oh, yeah, Aaron Rodgers. By the way, it looks like he and uh, What's-Her-Face broke up. Yeah, yeah. Apparently that's news. Apparently that's going to affect his fantasy play. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I, 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 he's like yeah. Tony. He's like Tony Romo. When Tony Romo was going through the Jessica Simpson, Carrie Underwood, and everybody was like, "Oh, screw you, Tony! Oh, I have to pick between two hot women." Ugh. All right, sorry. <laughs> but anyway, Drew Lock. Uh, he is seventieth off the board. I'm I'm telling you, like, and and I I just started. I got a little froggy this week. I'm I'm feeling a little bit better about doing fantasy stuff. I started writing again. Um, my my Drew Lock, um, I guess defense. We'll call it a defense. It's my thesis nice. on my so, thesis on Drew Lock. Someone needs to do this, Stompy. So I'm I'm glad it's you. Let's let all right. Hear it so now. so first and foremost, respect to James because James was all about Drew Lock. Um, and Daniel Jones for that matter. But so, so, I mean, let's just look at the culmination of changes in Denver. Pat Shermer is new head coach or new uh, offensive coordinator. Uh, Mike Shula. Yes. The Don Shula's uh, son, grandson, son, son, maybe, I don't know. Anyway, Mike Shula is going with him. The quarterback's coach. Um, so that's one major change from Ed Donatello and his very, very conservative offense or not Ed Donatel, but Rich Scandrello, um, his conservative offense. Um, let, I, they got, they added a, uh, center. They added a, they'll get their right tackle back. Who was injured. Jawan James, who was injured in week one. Uh, so the offensive line gets better. Oh, and, and they signed, uh, Graham Harrell, not Graham Harrell. Oh my God. I can never remember his first name or his first Graham Glasgow, Jesus. So that offensive line improved. They added another good running back and pass catcher. So they have two fantastic running back running backs and pass catchers in the backfield. They added uh, Jerry Judy, the best route. Well, <laughs> I don't know if I want to start an argument with the Debbie guy here. Um, he's, one he's, of the, he's- He's probably the best route runner. Okay, all right, all right. In last year's class, Te- uh, the best technical route runner. Right. So he he is basically Calvin Ridley 2.0, um, except for with wonky ass knees. Um, and then they added KJ Hamler as well. But I mean, they added speed. Um, they add they got a better offensive line. Um, they have a better offensive head coach, um, and or not head coach, but offensive coordinator, uh, Pat Shermer has led <laughs> Sam Dar or, or uh, Sam Bradford case Keenum. And now, I mean, we'll call Daniel Jones to their best, uh, <laughs> their best seasons as a uh, professional. I mean, obviously Daniel Jones in in year one, obvious that's very obvious, but the fact remains is that he, I think helped Daniel Jones improve to the point where Daniel Jones surprised everybody. And Mike Shula has been along for the ride the entire time, by the way. Um, I would, and depending on what James thinks, I would say that Drew Locke is the best quarterback that Pat Shermer has ever had. 
I mean, I can't I, I think, think fair. back that far, but uh, I guess in, in recent times, sure. the best quarterback he's ever had, because like I said, Bradford, Case Keenum, uh, Eli Manning, and uh, a little bit of Geno, and then, um, and then Daniel Jones here. So, I, I mean, he's got the best arm talent. Uh, I think that's fair to say. Uh, you, you drafted and, and added players that fit the skill set of Drew Locke, which is he's a very good deep ball passer. He's got a very strong arm. And so with that speed, um, they're going to they're gonna be a nightmare to cover. Um, so I just – Drew Locke looked good at the end of last year, but they only threw the ball like 20 or 30 times with him. So we never really got to see him. Uh, t- uh, Noah Fant at tight end. Um, presents a nightmare match. I mean, there's nightmare matchups all over the place. Drew Drew Locke is going to be throwing the ball a decent amount. I would I would say 550 times, give or take, is about what I expect Drew Locke to do. Um, because that's I mean, Pat Shermer at the very least will give him over 500 attempts. Um, I think the efficiency will be pretty good. So keeping him upright, giving him a good pocket, and letting those like deep plays develop. I think that Drew Locke is in for a top 10 season with the weapons and the arm talent he has. So uh, I'm going to put these in better, <laughs> better order and better explanations in a, in, in that article. But point being that there's been so many positive changes on the offensive side of the ball, not to mention the defensive side of the ball. So there's not a ton of pressure on Drew Locke that I, I mean, top 10 very, very easily. Uh, I think he, he'll be top 10. Nice. I, I've talked extensively about how much I like Drew Locke even before the Broncos drafted him. So I'm going to let Matt, uh, you know, give, give his two cents here. What do you think about Drew Locke, especially in a super flex league? Uh, you know, we're, we're talking sixth round ADP. W- would you be in on him in the fifth round? Heck yeah. Oh yeah. All in. Uh, he should Drew be Locke. going in like the fourth or the third, probably. Yeah, Drew Locke was my QB one in the 2019 class. Oh, my, oh look at you two. He was nice. my he was my favorite quarterback in the 2019 class. Um, in terms of being a pure quarterback, I I still I mean I, I stick by my grading of that. I, he's a, he's a total gunslinger, guys. When it comes to that offense, Stompy alluded to it, but geez, Jerry Judy on one side and Cortland Sutton on the other, and do not forget about KJ Hamler because yeah. KJ Hamler is freaking good guys. He's going to, he's going to be, uh, Oh my God. I, I'm really sorry. I interrupted you for no reason right there. No, me Cole Hardman. Got it. He's going to be me Cole Hardman for the Broncos. This year. <laughs> I mean, he's going to, in, in the, there was a quote from the Broncos when I think it was a pre-draft quote when we were going through the process and they said, you know, what are you looking to do on your team? And, and the Broncos came out and said, we have to keep up with the Chiefs, mm-hmm. you know. And, and uh, K.J. Hamler, you're right. I mean, he fits that type of role. Twitchy as heck, man. Noah fan. don't even get me started. So Drew, Drew Locke, I loved him going through the draft process. Now 2019 was a weaker quarterback class, but he was my top quarterback from that class. And now he's got all these weapons around him. You nailed it on the head, Stompy. I'm looking at my projections here. 575 is what I have for attempts. I have 4,300 passing yards, 25 touchdowns. Now, I, I do think in the way that he throws it, and, and from what we saw in limited tape last year in his college tape, I think there's going to be a not fantastic touchdown to interception ratio. It's probably going to be right on a two to one. So it won't be horrendous. Like, we're not talking Baker Mayfield bad, but, you know, Drew Locke, I think he's going to have a good season. 
Uh, top 10 might be a little rich for me, probably closer to the 12 to 15 range, but I will say I have added him really, everywhere. 4,300 yards. He He's not top 10 with 4,300 yards and 25 touchdowns. Let me pull it up here. Uh, it, the, the, my quarterback or my touchdown interception ratio is 25 uh, to 13 uh, right now. So that's I, not- I don't hate that either as a second year. Um, yeah. He's coming I, in right at 15 for me. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I, I think the other aspect of Drew and and I had a I'm going to start name dropping here, but I had a conversation with Elliot Christ um, just about like the evolution of the quarterback um, and the the era of the statue quarterbacks basically gone at this point. I mean, you have a few relics here. Uh, it's, I mean, let's be real; they're relics at this point. It's Tom Brady and Drew Brees. I mean, Dwayne Haskins did come into the league as a statue quarterback. And that's unfortunate, especially on that team, which is just a mess and a half. Um, I, you you have to hope that uh, Scott Turner and um, Ron Rivera will be able to, to develop him better. But yeah, I mean, these guys, I mean, your quarterbacks have to be mobile. We've seen Lamar Jackson be dominant. We've seen Cam Newton be dominant. We've seen Russ Deshaun Watson, we just talked about Dak, Kyler Murray's entering, but even the guys that aren't necessarily thought of running quarterbacks. Um, oh, I forgot Josh Allen, but Carson Wentz, uh, very good with RPO and he can move. Um, Patrick Mahomes is very mobile, um, but Drew Locke is extremely mobile too for, for a, a pocket passing quarterback. So I don't think he's going to get a super amount of yards but 200 yards on the ground is 20 more points. So I, I just, and, and maybe a couple touchdowns. So that's another aspect that I really like about him is he can move. And I believe he had one of the lowest sack rates in the last five games, which is nice because if, if you're going to use drew lock to the, to the best of his abilities, you want those plays that, to develop downfields. You want KJ Hamler to get past the secondary. You want, um, Cortland Sutton to be able to do uh, those yak catches. You want um, no fan to go down the seam. And that some of those plays require a lot of time in the pocket. And so if he can be mobile and, but in that offensive line, can keep him upright. This could be a huge season um, for drew lock. And, and I was going to mention, I forgot to mention that too, what Matt brought up, but that's exact. I mean, they drafted exactly to compete with the chiefs because the Broncos defense is one of the best in the NFL right now, on paper at the very least. They were good last year, but they lost Nick Chubb or or, uh, uh, Bradley Chubb. Um, They had injuries galore. They had took a step back at cornerback. They had injuries on that side too. Bryce Callahan was injured. But that that defense gets three monsters on the line. They get, I would say, a lateral move at cornerback from uh, Chris Harris to Bryce Callahan. And that might be sacrilegious, but, but Chris Harris is also 32 right now. And his best days are in the slot and his best days are behind him. But most of his best days are in the slot. And Bryce Callahan is a very good slot quarter. So that defense is going to be so good, but they are the best at holding back Kansas city in terms of scoring or they were last year. And by holding back, I mean, 27, 28 points. They just couldn't score for their lives last year. And now that you have that type of explosive offense that can get a touchdown in one play, that's how that's how you beat the Chiefs is, is slow them down enough that you can score enough to beat them. Yeah, and I, I would say Pat Shermer also in, in his coaching history has, has coached tight ends an awful lot. 
Noah Fant going into his second season. Uh, I, I think he could take a big step forward and really help Drew Locke to stretch the seam, work the middle of the field. Uh, I, I look for big things out of him as well, but uh, Drew, Drew Locke has all the weapons to work with to really take that next step and to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback. So I agree there guys. Let's get one more round out of each of you. I would like to do that. And Matt, let's start with you. We're going into to what is it now? The, uh, the, the, the eighth round uh, guys that you would reach for in the seventh. Yep. Um, so, so we're, we're really, uh, we're, we're asking a lot from you now. Now we're looking for a deeper guy, a guy who you would dig a little deeper on uh, for, uh, for drafting. So who's a guy in that, in, in that eighth round that you say, you know what? I think I'd take in the seventh round here. I'll tell you what, first and foremost, I'm excited to have Stompy on the Broncos episode next week in Dynasty Draft Room because I feel nice. like I could just cut up what we just talked about and, uh, yeah. and put it you on. Know, you and I don't even need to talk anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to cut up this. I'm going yeah, to pull go. this from Apple Podcasts. I'm going to cut it up. Um, guys, I, I I looked at the ADP three times. I think I'm doing my math right. What the heck, guys? Tyler Lockett is going this late in ADP? 83 overall? Gosh, I might take him in the sixth round. Forget the seventh round. I, Man, I, Tyler Lockett, wide receiver one the last two seasons. He's consistently – I mean, he got 110 targets last year. Now, the big knock on him going into 2019 was the targets. They said, you know, because he got 70 two years – he pretty much had been at 70 the first four years of his career. And now DK Metcalf gets there, and he just opens things up. Seattle is is slowly passing the ball a little bit more. Lockett last year breaks a thousand receiving yards. He gets eight touchdowns. I have him breaking a thousand again. I love that Seattle offense. It is secretly the most efficient offense in the NFL. And Tyler Lockett is just the epitome of, of floor for me. And getting him that late, I I think it's a steal. I got to say, I probably have at least thirty to forty percent of Tyler Lockett in my leagues. Like I got this guy everywhere and I have never been disappointed. So this is one of the best examples of why you should be going running back heavy, running back and quarterback heavy and super flex early. Because when you actually look at the ADP, Tyler Lockett's right there, who I think before he got injured in week nine was like the wide receiver was a wide receiver one or wide receiver nine overall or something like that before he got, I believe he got injured and it, that just hobbled him. Um, but you have Tyler Lockett there. Um, Devontae Parker's right ahead of him. I'm not in super in love with Tyler Parker or Ty- Devontae Parker. Um, Tyler Boyd is, and Robert Woods are in the in the eighth round two here, I believe. Um, so I mean, there's just a lot of potential. Yes, you're not getting like that floor, but there's a lot of potential wide receiver ones here. But you can win with three RB ones and two wide receiver twos very easily. There's a lot of guys back here that are very startable in at wide receivers. So, and, and running backs dry up very quickly, like in the third round. So you, you need to get those running backs like at, at the start. I love the the point both of you made is that Matt, you, you made that point of man, Tyler Lockett's a guy I'd probably take in the sixth round because you, you've never been disappointed with him. He's so consistent. You know that what you're going to get with him and Stompy, you're absolutely right. You can win with a, 
two or three wide receiver twos. And the fact that you can get one in the eighth round right now is insane. You could get a guy like Tyler Lockett, who is his floor is wide receiver two. I think like th- this is uh this is a, a fantastic pick. There, there was a lot of guys I liked too. Tyler Boyd, Robert Woods were guys that uh, in, in the eighth round, I really like an awful lot too. Uh, but Lockett is, is one of those names that kind of jumps out to me um, here. So, uh, Stompy, you got the last round. We're going to give you round nine, a guy that you would take in round eight. This this one's a little tougher for me, but uh, but there are a couple names. On oh, here. not me. There, there's one player and, on here yeah. that one if, of our co-hosts is going to love. Yeah, if if I know you correctly, uh, I, I think I know that you're going to the running back position here. So go yep. right ahead. So, by the way, James Conner in the back end of the seventh, I think, is criminal, too. Who, who else is catching the, and running the ball there? I understand he's going to be injured three or four games, but for 12 or 13 games, you get RB1 upside. I don't know why he's going in the seventh. Um, is it because is it really because of Anthony McFarland? Come on. Really? Benny Snell is still trying to catch up. Sorry. That was a slow joke. Um, so, yeah, you're. I mean, I, I know James. I, I, I should just let James name this guy for me, but – uh, it's uh, Chris Carson at 86. Another situation where who's running the ball? Who's really running the ball there? Because Rashad Penny has the, the was it the hip or his was, no, his was knee. And not a lot of good news coming out about Rashad Penny. Not that he's been great. I mean, he's had his games, but not a lot of good news coming out of Seattle uh, about Rashad Penny. Um, who else do they pick up? Uh, they have Hyde. Okay. DJ Dallas. <laughs> yeah. So basically, Chris Carson is a far better version of uh, of Carlos Hyde. Um, I haven't heard anybody address Isaiah Crowell yet. He did sign there too, right? Oh, I don't. Oh, no. is he still in the league? Yeah, he told Ouch, man. Ouch, man, you're killing me. Oh, jeez. Um, point. I mean, point. Like that, that, that actually made my point right there was, oh my God, is Isaiah Kroll still there? But yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't remember Carlos Hyde because yeah, fine. He had an okay season last season with Houston, but he hasn't been really on anybody's radar for three seasons now. Um, Nick Chubb took, took over and, and basically forced a trade to Jacksonville where he didn't do anything. Uh, last year, I mean, he was fine on the ground, but I, I, nothing special again in Houston. So I just, there's nobody there that uh, even threatens Chris Carson for the only way that anybody else is really getting significant carries is if Chris Carson somehow, like his, his fumble um, issues turn like into a major major thing that like is ruining games that's the only way chris carson is a fantastic running back he's a good he's an underrated pass catcher too but because he is such a hard runner and such a monster there's no reason for them not to go away from chris carson so i mean i I don't know what your projections say matt but 250 plus carries maybe approaching 300 again and 50 plus targets is not something that like I'm balking at because again, it's the two wide receivers and DK and Tyler Lockett. And then I guess Greg Olson, uh, if you really want to trust the old man and then nobody else. 
So Chris Carson's probably due for another top 16 season and he's going in the ninth round. Yeah. Where I'm, where I'm at with Chris Carson in, I, I almost feel like I'm a hypocrite because I've, I have benefited from having Chris Carson on my roster, especially last year. Um, I, I think where I struggle with Chris Carson at the price you're paying is in the startup draft. Now, if you are already in the league and you are a championship level contender, a playoff level contender fantasy football team in your league, then I'm okay with trading for Chris Carson. But I, I think I want to know that I, I'm, he's just going to contribute for this one year. I think that's fine. But I mean, I, I guess, and we never actually know what Seattle's going to do in any draft ever, especially since the Rashad Penny pick. Jeez. But I mean, unless they pick a running back next year, which they obviously very, very well could, I don't know how they don't re-sign Chris Carson. Because while Chris Carson has dealt with injuries, the only major one was the broken leg in, in his rookie year. The last two seasons have been just nicks and cuts in, in, in small things. So he's being productive and he's far and away the most productive running back on that team right now. And unless you're spending, and I understand they don't have a lot of capital in him because he was a undrafted free agent. Or he was seventh round. He was, a, he was a UDFA. So, so they actually did sign him for a fourth year, didn't they? Because UDFAs only get three years, right? So, I mean, uh, let me see Chris Carson contract. I wonder. Yeah, if- I'm double checking now. Oh, he signed a four year deal. Wow. Jeez. You kind of got ripped. <laughs> oh, no. He's, he's an undrafted. He's an, he's an undrafted free agent. He was, no, he was 249. He was one of the last. So he's picks. seventh. Okay. So he, he did get four years. Um, but yeah, so he's an undrafted free agent after this season. Or not undrafted free agent, <laughs> an unrestricted free agent. <laughs> We're taking back his yeah, whatever. Twenty-six-year-old uh, <laughs> rookie. Um, I mean, you and, and the thing is, no, no, I can probably re-sign him for a mil and a half. You know what I mean? Like they'll bring him back on the cheap deal. Yeah. So I mean, he very easily could be out next year. Uh, so I, I guess I understand it from your end, especially with the way that he runs because he's such a violent runner and such like he makes impact. Like he's one of the players that's just not long for this league. So I get that. Um, But I will, I guess the counter to that argument is that Le'Veon Bell is going at 71. Um, And I'd much rather have Chris Carson. I I think I'd rather have Carson than David Montgomery at this point. No offense to the David Montgomery (laughs) troopers. Won't get any uh, argument here. Listen, I drafted David Montgomery in my uh, SF in the SFBX uh, draft because of the value. I mean, he's going to get 250 touches easy mm-hmm. on purpose. You, you drafted him on purpose. Oh yes, I like he, he was like in the sixth or seventh round, and I was like, dude. I mean, I can get 250 touches out of this guy easy. So even if he's not efficient, he's giving me numbers anyway. Um, but uh, beyond the point, um, so. Yeah, I mean, Le'Veon Bell going that early, David Montgomery going – maybe that's not early for David Montgomery. I'd still take James Conner probably a couple rounds before this. So I guess for me, he's easily my RB3, RB4 where he's at. 
So it basically just shores up my depth. So maybe I'm basing it on how I draft because Chris Carson, like I said, would be my RB3, RB4. So you don't have to rely on him going forward, but you get his numbers this year. So yes, I would be trading for Chris Carson if you're a contender. And if if he's like your RB3, RB4, and you're trying to win now in startups, Chris Carson's an easy easy pick for me in the eighth, ninth round there. Yeah, I, I like Chris Carson a lot this year, but Matt, you really got me thinking, man. I, I, I don't know that he's long for Seattle. I mean, this free agent running back class is no joke. Seattle, you know, and, and running backs aren't going for, you know, a premium. Um, you know, I you can you could find a guy like Kareem Hunt uh, on a discount just because of, you know, kind of his past and, you know, the fact that he hasn't had a full workload in a couple of years. So uh, there, there are some names out there at running back that can be had if Seattle decides to move on. Uh, but guys, I, I think we're going to wrap it up. That That is it for today's episode. Um, so before we go, Matt, I do want to throw it to you. Where can the people find your work? Where can they find all your great content and, uh, and, and let them know where they can find all that good stuff uh, so we can direct them there. Yeah, absolutely, man. So on Twitter at the FF underscore educator, got two big projects going on. The first one of which both uh, James has already been a part of and Stompy will be a part of next week for the dynasty draft from podcasts. Uh, we are doing a team by team fantasy football projection series. So that's why you're hearing me, you're hearing me rattle off all these numbers and stuff. We've already done out all the projections for all 32 teams. And now we're highlighting each one in their own episode and bringing on great analysts like you two to help us kind of dig into the context behind the offenses and the team. So that's fantastic. Dynasty draft from podcast, Apple podcast, Spotify, all the good spots. And then the other big project I'm working on right now, man, um, you know, we talked about just loving the game of fantasy football and playing it. And I'm really kind of trying to spread the joy of Debbie fantasy football right now, doing that through my Patreon, uh, patreon.com backslash the FF educator link is also my Twitter bio. And uh, right there, you can find 200 plus Debbie rankings, uh, running Debbie leagues, getting people involved in the game of Debbie. I also have my dynasty rankings, my season projections and uh, all that good stuff in there, uh, but really just bringing people together, spreading spreading the love of the game as much as I can. And uh, this year, I'm trying to have an emphasis on that because that's the part of, of fantasy football that I want to emphasize even more. So those are the big, two big projects I got going on right now. Awesome, Matt. Awesome. And, and I'm going to put you on the spot. If we don't have a college season, if we don't have college football this year, are you guys going to be ready to provide some uh, some rankings or, or a Devi guide even, uh, you know, even if there isn't a season coming forward here in college? You know, James, I I don't want this to come off the wrong way because I want college football just as much, if not more, than probably most people listening to this episode. But actually, I think that the Dynasty Draft Room is in a unique position to be more relevant than ever if we don't have college football. Um, because I'll tell you what, dude, my process for scouting these guys has improved dr- dramatically from last year. Um, this time last year, I had maybe four, I had maybe a dozen summer scouting reports out. I'm already at 60 full scouting reports done on, on tape from this class. And by the end of the summer, I'll probably be close to 100 guys in, in, inside the database and the rankings and stuff. And so I, I'm looking at the tape. I already got the tape built out. And so I'm going to be happy to talk about what we got. Do I want to see more tape from these guys? Absolutely. But 
I'm ready to talk about what I've already seen. I'm ready to dig back a couple of years, man. We got to do what we got to do. But I, I got to tell you this, whether we get to see college football every week or not, I'm not going to shut up. I'm going to keep talking about college football. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Can't wait to see what you guys got in store for us over there. Uh, appreciate it. Stompy, any uh, any last words for this episode here? I'm I'm glad to be back. And Drew Locke is going to be a top 10 uh, QB. Yeah, I'm here for it. it. I'm here for it. I love it. So we're going to sign off. I want to send a special thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the use of their song, The Addiction. And a special thank you to Dynasty League Football for the use of their Superflex ADP rankings. And also the DLF uh, family of podcasts. Also the entire DLF staff for their ongoing support. Make sure to follow and send questions to the show's Twitter account at Superflex Show. Um, We can answer any questions or trade polls that you have on the show or you can retweet them on twitter thank you again and uh listeners remember stay sexy and super flexy